When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kyrie, Welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Celtics Reddit, Brutal Gash. Join, as I am on almost every occasion here on the podcast, two other savvy Celtics Reddit veterans, one of whom is Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. How's it going, Jackson? Oh, it's okay. Things would be better without a certain Chris Middleton in my life, but you have to just you have to just roll with it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we all do at this point, but look, it could be a lot worse, which we'll get to. And look, of course, our other esteemed regular over there in the uh, Celtic Dreaded Podcast studios of New Zealand. It is Joe, aka Nose Growth McFly. Joe, how's it going? It's, it's going good. It's going good. If I can um, get aggregated like Bill Simmons was on New Zealand's literal, <laughs> on literally leading the news, then we'll know I've really cracked <laughs> it as that. a podcast. It's legit. What, what, it was what, so embarrassing. What, what, network, what network was that on? Was it a newspaper or TV? The. Oh, TV, like TV, like le- le- definitely led the sports news. Like Stephen Purely Adams could be on the... Stephen it was Adams just was a bad was contract like, or something. Oh, it was just ultimate cultural <laughs> cringe. Well, you know, when you're like, oh, we don't yeah. actually... Our media especially just doesn't understand this. And like everyone who's a basketball fan knows it's just <laughs> Bill Simmons just shooting the shiz. And they're picking it up like it's an actual report, like a sourced report. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got a bunch of nitwits, eh? But yeah, anything with Stephen Adams sort of like leads over I, here, eh? We love him. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I suppose some journo probably was banking on OKC making the second round, and when that didn't happen, they needed uh, Stephen Adams' content and uh, <laughs> enter Mr. Simmons. I'm assuming that was how it went down anyway. But silly for them to, but silly for them to bank on uh, Adams making the second round because um, he's got this um, Russell Westbrook sized, you know. Problem. Ball and chain around <laughs> his ankle. <laughs> well, look, coming up on this show, uh, a bunch of things that will hopefully get us aggregated in, in New Zealand. Uh, we'll obviously be discussing the <laughs> series so far with the Bucks, uh, the adjustments, the adjustments to the adjustments. Chris Middleton playing a starring role in all of our nightmares. And well, we'll look ahead to game three and four as well and a potential Marcus Smart return. The Celtics read a recap and whatever else. But first, the Celtics, they get out of Milwaukee, a 1-1 tie. Is this what you guys were expecting like going into this series? Uh, and was I expecting? Was I expecting to leave 1-1? Um, I, I don't know. I was certainly hoping for it. Um, I didn't think we would have the the game one that we did. I didn't think Milwaukee would have the game one that they did. So 
in that respect, the way that they came out and responded, this is the Bucks in game two, um, with their shots were falling, we were finding it harder to wall off Giannis as it's um, being um, uh, phrased now. Um, Kyrie Irving was uncharacteristically poor in a playoff game. Um, all of these things vary somewhere between predictable and unpredictable. But when it comes to leaving Milwaukee with with the series tied at 1-1, um, I mean, I'll take it, all things considered. What about you guys? I, I was sitting on the can, as you do, sort of ruminating. Um, <laughs> That's where the thoughts and- happen. Among other things. <laughs> so where the deepest thoughts happen. But I was like, oh, we basically played them even across, you know, eight quarters. Um, and I was like, did I expect that? And I was like, that's a pretty good result, playing them even across um, eight quarters is what I'd say. Is it like that's, that's probably a little bit better than expectation. But the, mm-hmm. the, the way games are, obviously, they, you know, there's a sort of a discrete value to them. They, what, what actually, I, I, my, my maths, um, my formal maths lessons will escape me a bit, but don't they call it like it's an integer, a, a, a natural integer? You can't have, um, sure. it's got to be ones. I believe it's got to be ones. You know what I mean? Like whole numbers. You, you don't get Somewhat. half a win. You don't get half a win, you know? So um, I would have expected that Milwaukee would have outscored us over, you know, over those two games, but they didn't. So um, that's good. So that's probably better than expected. But 1-1, one, one, like, you know, two, over two games, it's a toss-up, really, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, I don't know, like... That's sort of that's probably a bit of a quantitative way to look at it, but like sort of qualitatively, how did you guys feel about it? Like, like um, thematically, or like sort of things that you saw. Did you see what you expected to see? Leave aside the result, you know. Did you see what you expected to see, or did you see more than you expected to see? I, I think I saw more than I expected to see, um, and that's now with this full body of work, game one and two, and they were vastly different from one another. I. I, going into game one, I was like, the Celtics, they need to win one of these games. They probably, I was really um, pessimistic, I guess, going in. I was like, they probably won't beat Milwaukee. Like, even once in their house, they've been so good during the regular season. Even though we had a really good, strong showing against the Pacers, I just didn't trust that we could do the same thing against Giannis and co. And to, and to come out the way we did in, in game one and play like this perfect, perfectly schemed, like beautiful game, um, I didn't really care what happened in, in game two like i still feel very positive walking away from from that body of work so to so to speak that those two games that they've sort of instilled in me the confidence going into these now two games at the boston garden that like we could potentially take this series um it was interesting you know they interviewed Giannis Antetokounmpo and he was like we're not going to make any adjustments and the logical thing is like, well, if, what's he going to say? Like, yeah, like we'll do this. And here are the very specific adjustments we'll make. Like he's not going to say that, but they, they did make some pretty clear adjustments. Mm. And so now we're in, in this like this punch for punch series where we're, we're lucky that we like struck first. Right. And, and now we've got this advantage and it was up to coach Bart and the pressure was on the, on the bucks to, to respond. And now we've got home court and it's up, up to us to respond again. But like because we struck first, we now go into the rest of these games with the advantage. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sort of. Like I, I don't I don't think I disagree. <laughs> but I'm probably gonna say something that sounds like I do. I, I, like do you it's okay. maybe I'll pose it as a question. Do, do you guys feel like we're still the underdogs? Totally. 
I, less so. I, I don't feel like we're as underdoggy as I felt we were before game one. I feel like everyone was sort of pleasantly surprised, like Celtics fans and otherwise, that like, oh, hang on a second. These guys have got some some game. And like it was, it was a really decisive win in game one. And even though it obviously didn't go our way in, in game two, and a lot of it because we fell back into some old habits, I, I think for the playoffs so far, we've, we've shown enough that like there is some confidence in, in the Celtics. Do you, you, I feel like you're about to disagree with me. No, um, no I, I think that we sort of... But like if I said, okay, Ben, pick one, underdog or favorite, what are the Celtics right now? What, what are you picking? Okay, if I had to pick one, you know, gun to my head and all of that, I suppose underdog. Yeah. Um, but it's close to 50-50. Like if, if I was offered a, sure. a custom choice, create your own <laughs> option in this multiple choice survey, I'd choose 50-50. Mm. Yeah, so, so so I find it hard to say that we have the advantage um, being still the underdogs. But where I would agree with you is I'd say we're in a bit, we're in a, we're in a, um, we're in as, as good a position as could reasonably be expected coming out of coming out of here. We played them even across two games. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I still feel like we've lost an, a massive opportunity. It was just, it was disappointing today. It was totally expected. Like, I, I think at least, I mean, I'm not on the record with the rest of the world, but with you guys, I think I'm on the record as, as having expected a blowout today yeah. from the Bucks. Listeners, and, listeners, listeners should know that Joe did mention in our chat that uh, he expects us to get blown out twice um, I do expect two blowouts. He does expect, yeah, and, and I'm coming to expect it now too because when Joe says something, it typically happens uh, from my experience with uh, doing the podcast with him. So yeah, there's one blowout down. Do you, when do you <laughs> think that? Other, down. When when do you think that other blowout's coming, man? Do you think it's going to happen in in the TD Garden or is it going to come in games? Uh, what's that? Five, five or seven? I think um, I think it sort of depends on the flow of the series, eh? You know, like yeah. Um, I think I think if they go back to Milwaukee down three one. Yeah, I think that's where it probably happens. But um, yeah, maybe next game. Maybe if I had to pick game five, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have any. I don't. I don't have any firm feelings on that. Of course, I wouldn't because that's total conjecture. But um, wow, well, I've lost my train of thought there. What were we talking about? Are we we're going to get to the. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just feel like we lost a golden opportunity. To be the favourites, like we go back to definitively, zero. definitively, definitively, yeah. we have them absolutely. Our foot is on the throat, man. And I like this team playing from. Um, I don't know how I feel about this team playing from behind. <laughs> so yeah. I want this team to get like two a two nil lead. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm. I don't know if we're going to hold serve at home. Is my only. Uh, reservation, and I felt that before the series started, and I feel that even more now, considering that we there was there was a, a moment in time after Game One where I thought maybe Milwaukee is the paper tiger that I was kind of hoping. I feel like we were definitely going to drop one game at home, and I'm even more confident of that now, given what we yeah, saw yeah. yesterday. Because as far as I'm concerned, like a lot of things went into both of these games contributed the contributed to the results of both games, obviously. But I feel like our defense on Milwaukee and Giannis in particular in game one. And the fact that their shot wasn't dropping is precisely why we won. And I feel mm. like the defense, the, sorry, Milwaukee's shot falling in game two and Kyrie Irving having like a worse game than Giannis did in game one, but comparatively speaking in his impact to them versus his impact to us, it was about the same level of 
disappointment when it comes to a guy you want to produce for your team. So mm. it, it really is about as even as it gets. And I think I was going into this series probably having Milwaukee a 60-40 likelihood of advancing, which is probably a bit generous considering... Um, probably generous for a non-Celtics fan for Celtics fans probably about realistic um, now I would I literally have us at about 51-49 in still in favour of Milwaukee so we've gotten mm. better without necessarily taking a, a tangible advantage at least I think so anyway yeah I think we need to win both of these games I think I really do I don't like I don't like us going back to Milwaukee tied no, um, I so think at that point, at that point, I feel like we've probably lost our little, our little opening. So we're going to get a little bit more into predictions for the rest of the series and and you know, feelings and and whatnot um, a little bit later. But there's been a lot of talk with the game so far about adjustments, and you know, obviously we talked about the Celtics basically playing the perfect game as far as their defense on on Giannis uh, and the way they attacked the the Bucks defense, their number one ranked regular season defense. Um, what did you guys make of the Bucks, like quote unquote adjustments in, in game two? Do you think they actually made any significant adjustments or were they just playing harder and faster and with a better pace and tempo? Probably the latter, I think. Um, for me, the when Giannis said they weren't going to make any adjustments, I felt that that was just a guy whose English is not his first language, maybe not understanding the nuance between adjustments and changing your game plan entirely. I might be wrong. He might have just definitively said no adjustments whatsoever and that's that. But clearly that they had to adjust aspects of their game because if you just went in with the same game plan again um, after getting beaten by 22 on your home court, I think that's the height of stupidity. There's definitely an element to trusting your guys and trusting in your game plan, but obviously adjusting to things on the fly there. And I think the biggest factor was um, the defense wasn't as effective on Giannis and the three ball was falling for them and it was falling at a really unfair debilitating rate in the last six minutes of the of the third quarter in fact probably throughout the entire third quarter is when they really buried us but particularly in that last six minutes so as far as um boston's adjustments if they have to make any which i'm sure that they will there's a lot of flexibility i think that could come with maybe shifting marcus morris back to the bench or uh bringing somebody else in uh to the starting lineup i don't know there's a myriad of things that we could definitely try but as far as the adjustments that the Bucks made. I think they just trust their shooters a little bit more and just played with a bit more of the backs against the wall, got to win at all costs sort of attitude. And I think most professional play, playoff teams um, should get a result when that's the mentality they've got. Hmm. I just sort of feel like, I just sort of feel like this is just the Celtics being the Celtics to an extent, you know, like we just have these games where we just kind of let go of the rope. So, Whereas the Bucks just don't really like we came in, we punched them in the mouth, you know, and um, and that's sort of out of character for them. Whereas this sort of thing happening for us is like, like <laughs> we've seen it once or twice this season, right? Like this is not new territory for us, eh? Mm. So I sort of, I sort of almost feel like it's more in, like like being kind of referred to. I feel it's more just indicative of just a a, a kind of. Um, a kind of habit that we have, you know, it's like, it's, it's like this floor that we kind of carry around with us. That's going to show up, you know, it's just going to show up when our system's low, you know, we're just, we're <laughs> like, just pro- prone to mental lapses really, I think. Yep. Yeah. So the third quarter, I, I think is what we're all referring to there, where it seemed like the Celtics just kind of stopped running their offense entirely uh, out of panic or just a mental lapse or whatever it may have been. And, and just started jacking up threes and, and long twos 
which coincided with the Bucks getting hot and they went on a run. And yeah, like it was just a total throwback to the regular season troubles. Yeah. Um, and like the Celtics defense throughout the game, I, I guess beyond the first quarter, the first quarter I thought was solid. Um, but other than that, I thought the Celtics defense just seemed sloppier. Like mm-hmm. they were they were really dialed in in game one. Yeah, and game two was that game. Yeah, game two was different. I thought the main factor was that they still sent the help on the Giannis drives. They did that pretty effectively, um, but they seemed sloppy and just like less dialed in in like getting back and, and running guys off the three point line. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they, they did a really good job of of sending the help late on Giannis in game one and, and early in game two and then like just leaving a small enough gap, you know, guys like Miritich uh, and Middleton to, to be able to quickly run back and just like even just mildly contest their shots and I, I didn't think that they had that same like snappiness and energy in this game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that's... You, you just know when, when the Celtics are going to be in a game, right? You see it. Like you just see their energy, eh? You know? Um, it's It's... It's almost like <laughs> they're like some people, you know, when they're in a bad mood, they just can't hide it. <laughs> so like yeah. when the Celtics are in a bad mood, they just can't hide it. Like you just kind of know what you're in for. What's wrong? They What's were... wrong, Celtics? Nothing. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> they were. I'm fine. They were good. I'm fine. They were good early in the game. Like they, they came out solid and um, like I've been on the Celtics Discord lately. Like I, as you guys know, can't ever find enough Celtics content. So I'm everywhere chatting to people during the game. And halfway through quarter one, we're like, you know, shit, yeah, like we're taking this game. Like it felt like we had that same momentum. Like we hadn't lost anything. Even though the Bucks had a different flavor to their attack, like it still felt like we were like the bigger brother or something, particularly through Al Horford. Um, but then obviously it went away from us. And you know, getting back to those adjustments, one thing I thought the Bucks did a really good job of was pressuring... Kyrie Irving a lot more off those um, high pick and rolls with Al Horford. So like in the first game, Kyrie had a lot of space to operate and it's not like he was doing typical Kyrie things other than those like amazing turnaround shots on, on George Hill in, in game one. But like he wasn't doing his like fuck you threes or anything like that, but <laughs> he was getting a lot of space off those uh, pick and rolls with Al Horford to operate and he was really patient in, in making the right play off of those. And Today in game two, I just thought they pressured him so hard immediately off those pick and rolls that he didn't really have that room to operate and it really affected him. Mm. Um, uh, the promising takeaway from that is that, in the, I guess he has to say this, so maybe it's not that promising, but in the post-game interview, Kyrie was like, oh, I already know how to adjust for game three. I already know what to do about that. But he didn't appear to have any idea what to do about it during the game, which was kind of mm. shocking because it's like playoff Kyrie and everything. Yeah, but you, you trust Kyrie Irving to to respond, don't you? Just the same way we kind of trusted that Giannis and the Bucks as a whole would respond to. I don't think I, I can't remember the last time. I think someone I saw it on the on the the sub somewhere. I forget who posted it, um, but uh, it was the first time Kyrie had been. Uh, held under 10 points in a playoff game since like against the Bulls in 2014 or something and he only played, he only played 12 minutes. So uh, I can remember one game this year where he only had seven points and that was the season opener against Philly, which we won anyway. But it was just a, it was an uncharacteristically poor night from Kyrie. And I think a guy like that would take that, however you take it. He, he, Kyrie was the type of guy who would take that personally. <laughs> Even though it's it's like it's not like anyone's like specifically criticizing him or saying he was he was terrible and he's he's going off downhill. No, everyone expects him to bounce back, but I think he's the kind of guy who is going to 
potentially to the detriment of the team and the, the way we, we, we've got a game plan, he may just look to take over game three. And you've got to kind of, you've got to kind of believe that he will to a degree. Does anyone else feel that way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I was thinking and just saying that was like, let's just imagine we're Bucks fans, we're the, you know, the Bucks Reddit podcast right now. Like, how are we feeling going into Boston? Right, like, how are we feeling about Kyrie Irving? Are we like, yeah, we've solved this cat. <laughs> I think nervous, right? Yeah. A no, little bit nervous. You're not thinking that, right. You're not, you're, it's just like Giannis. Like, okay, we, we, we got a game. We, you know, we, we had to win that first game because we shut down Giannis. Like, if we had have kind of wasted that game, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. And the Bucks, similar-wise, yeah. they had to capitalize on this game because it's, it's going to be rare. It's not going to happen a lot. Yeah, I, another, I guess, moving away from that point, I, I completely agree with you. Game two was, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't appreciate like this kind of discourse during the game and, and you know, no disrespect to those who do, but the refereeing in game two was like profoundly different. Uh, Giannis got to the line like with quite a lot more ease despite not a lot of change in the way that we were defending him. It just seemed like there was a lot more sensitivity in, in terms of calling contact as he was driving to the hole. And then it didn't help, you know, us that he was actually knocking down the majority of his free throws for once in the mm. series. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you're right. You don't want to get too bogged down on referees because that's been a very hot topic, particularly in the um, in the Warriors-Rocket series as well, too. Other series. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw a stat somewhere. It's like in playoff games, the Tony brothers officiates against the Celtics were 1-10 and 10 or something like that. Now, that's a very attractive stat to kind of latch onto and, 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 and blame the reps and Tony Brothers in particular. But I, I think you have to expect almost an, a, an, a, an adjustment to the way the, the game is refereed in the playoffs because I think we, we no one will ever admit this and I think it's, a, it's halfway between a conspiracy theory and sort of like an unspoken truth. But I think it's in the best interest of the NBA for all the, se- for all the series or the playoff series to go as long as possible for the sake of money. So I feel that doesn't have a major factor in the refereeing decisions, but you have to think at some level they're going to favor the team that's down, particularly when they're the home team and particularly when Giannis is the guy that you know is getting most of the free throws. Um, Kyrie Irving hasn't shot a f- one free throw in this series, I read somewhere. I'm kidding. What's that about? Yeah. It's a, it's wow. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't think. I don't, I don't think that's going to continue. But that's two full games now where he hasn't even gotten like a, like a, a technical or even a, a you know an and one or anything like that. Not a single free throw has been attempted. So that smells a little bit. But I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's strange. I mean, I like with with the Giannis thing. Like that guy's just going to draw a lot of free throws. So if we have a game like we did on on monday like good for us but it's not the norm like this is you know what we got what we got today is the norm just adjust to it we've got to beat you know it's it's you know we're not gonna our problems aren't going to be solved by the refs um somehow favoring us i thought we were like lucky to get away with what we got in in game one not not because i thought it was refereed poorly but just because that's just how it goes man (laughs) it's just just how it goes in the nba like Giannis is going to get those calls we just gotta we just gotta adjust yeah absolutely uh, so under key moments I, I really just have the entire third quarter like there was a point where uh, Mook Morris who we'll get to it in a little bit he hit a three to cut it to two there was a timeout and then the Bucks just like absolutely 
pumped us for like literally the rest of the game and and that was <laughs> yeah. it like our score i think stayed at 71 or something yeah. and and their score just exponentially grew and and that was it and it, it goes back to you know like we were saying that that trend from the regular season where like we just became a little bit discombobulated all of a sudden like we're trying to hit homers and and like otherwise like smart and intelligent players like Gordon Hayward are coming down and, and taking like pull up contested threes and Rogier is getting in there doing his job to fuck it all up for us and uh, suddenly we're down by 20 and that's it and it's an irreparable deficit that we can never come back from at that point. That is our poison, man. When we feel the game getting out of hand, we try and get everything back at once. We we just we we just don't have the temperament to just sort of weather the storm. Um, and you know, if this game showed anything, it showed that that hasn't really changed, right? Like this team is still the team we knew. You know, with some 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 changes that do matter. Like I think it really matters that Hayward's performing better, but there's a, still a psychological element to this team that um, I don't think has just gone away. You know, from the regular season, I don't. Yeah, there was no, there was no real adversity in the Pacers series at all, was there? Like, sure, we were down no. ten sometimes, but we were never like you never felt like it was going off the rails really. Whereas yeah, the second yeah. it started going off the they rails, here, score enough, you know, it, yeah. they couldn't together those big runs they just mm. couldn't seem to do it totally uh, uh going into the fourth quarter down 11 in i think game one or game two against the Pacers at home was a, i guess a mild version of adversity but uh, that would be the, the one thing i'd point out as far as adversity in that series and and like we we played well like we've been consistent for a little while now so even though we did show a flash of the regular season like badness for lack of a better term in terms of just shitting the bed and forgetting how to run our offense like don't you feel don't you guys feel like in a playoff series like we can come back from that we can scheme against that we can look at that we've only got one opponent and we can it sounds simple to say but brad stevens could be like here's exactly what you did against this team we're playing the same team again in three days or two days or whatever it is like here's how to not do that and here's how to recognize the signs of that happening like don't you feel like it's sort of more avoidable versus the regular season yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. I think adjustments um, in the days off in between games coming from, you know, Brad Stevens and Leno coach uh, Bud as well for the Bucs. Um, anytime that there is um, one team loses, there is going to be major adjustments. And I think uh, given the experience that they had with each other last year, um, maybe it's an advantage for the Bucs because they might have a better idea about how we run our game plan, you know, obviously minus Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. But they might they might have they might be able to take more cues and experience from that. Whereas the series that we had against the Bucks last year, like they're a totally different team. So um, I think it was easier to adjust to play them last season, even though it took us to seven. This one might go to seven as well. We might not. We might not make it that far. But I think in the context of a playoff series, yeah, I would definitely. I would almost. I wouldn't give us the edge. I'd say it's about even as well because I think Budenholzer and Stevens are about as good a coaches as each other. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's not beyond it's not beyond um, the realms of possibility for us to to get over a smashing like we just copped and and come back and, and play well again. But in like the context of like coming out of a if we're in strife in the middle of a game, coming out of that, eh, still still pretty iffy, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I sort of feel like for for us, like the adjustments aren't really tactical. Like for us, the adjustments to me feel really more mental like um those sort of the stuff i just talked about like how do we respond 
when like we know the stuff that makes the Celtics good right like we know that they're really good when they get stops and they get some transition and then the ball starts moving around in the half court because everyone's feeling good and, um it's more a question of like when the acid comes on can they hit they have the patience to hit singles you know like that's not even really a tactical adjustment you know that's that's a um that's sort of an adjustment of 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 mentality mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you've got a point there. I just, I guess, I, I feel confident that you know we've seen very little of that in the playoffs so far, and, and even late in the regular season. And I, I feel confident that that can be quelled as well. Like given the amount of like scheming and effort that goes into a single playoff game versus like the just like the peppering of games that happens versus the in, in the regular season. But we'll see. I want to get to some post game thread comments very quickly. Uh, user device wrote, "We we sucked in this game." which is true. But considering we will go back to the garden tied at 1-1, I'd say that's better than expected. Just got to hope the team plays better in the next game. And user Brad Stevens uh, wrote on the post-game thread, Kyrie being 4 for 18 and the Bucks being blazing from three and getting a friendly whistle is not a recipe for success. We will, we still have home court. And then he says, Jason Tatum, it'd be cool if you could show up, buddy. So on the Jason Tatum yeah. thing, and I, I, I want to lump Gordon Hayward in with this as well because he had a great game one. A lot of people had a great, great game one, but he, he didn't really show up at all in, in game two. Um, one of these guys needs to show up, right? Like we could probably, we are deep. We can probably afford for one of them to have a quiet game. And, and walking away from game one, I wasn't even that disappointed in Jason Tatum. I, I kind of thought that the issue has been all year too many cooks in the kitchen and so someone has to recede a little bit and just accept a smaller role in the offense and you know show up defensively which Jason Tatum did in game one um, but ultimately just like accept they're maybe going to be the person who has less shots in that game Um, so I wasn't disappointed in Jason Tatum walking away from game one but in game two like we got to a point where it was like come on like someone needs to step up someone needs to assert themselves and he along with a long list of other Celtics Gordon Hayward included just didn't do that and, you know, Tatum's a, a top-rated prospect and Hayward's on a max contract and it has been in better form lately. And I, I don't know, it was just disappointing that neither of those guys could sort of shine in that moment. Mm. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that home court kind of ignites Tatum to a degree because I, it only just occurred to me, we've, we haven't had a home game. This is, we've had four road games in a row now. We haven't been at home for a while. So, I mean, I don't know how that affects players in, in general or players in particular but I feel like a good I feel like getting back to back to Boston might do Tatum some good um basing that on nothing but just feeling I felt like this would actually be a good game for Jason because the first bucket we got was a turnover breakaway dunk for Tatum so I was like oh, okay sweet here we go this is this is going to be a lot better but no he was um he was poor again tonight too um his obviously we've only got one postseason of sample size to go off from last year but he was he was outstanding in the postseason last year and he started uh the pacer series as well you know in fantastic form so i'm i I don't think he's he's dropped off the face of the earth i don't think he's going to be quiet for the rest of uh the series going forward but um you know it is a little bit concerning because we have had habits of players kind of going into holes for you know long periods of time and you know we really can't afford to have anyone doing that at the moment like you said ben we are deep we can't afford to have one or two guys have uh, quiet nights off but you know it's fair or unfair to compare jason to jalen brown but i look at jalen brown and his role and the way that he's been playing um throughout the entire postseason so far and he's just been excellent so it would be nice if it would be nice if jason could you know 
take 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 one from Jalen and try and you know at least get a little bit more production. Um, yeah, that would be nice if Jason Tatum scored points. <laughs> is the point I'm making. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I, like I'm I'm with you, Ben. I, I was sort of like um, game one. I was like, nah, I'm fine with it. Like everyone else had it mm. cooking. It's cool. But I, I was sort of thinking as you're talking, Jackson, like. Jalen Brown has a super defined role now, and that's been really to his advantage. And and maybe you know Tatum is kind of just like he can't, especially with Hayward kind of emerging a little bit. Maybe mm. it's just not clear to him what his role is. Like if he, he like he sort of he sort of feels to me like he doesn't know his, his spots. But like I, I he um he forced a couple of shots in game one. I was like, oh, that's a dude who's just itchy. Yeah, you know. And well, he- I, I sort of. I sort of feel like this is this is sort of uh, the downside of last year, right? Like, you know, I think he might just be in that same mode that Jalen was in at the start of the season. Yeah. So, so sorry to cut you off there, man. I was going to say, he definitely seemed like the number two option in the Pacers series. Like, it seemed like he was the one, I mean, his box score reflected that certainly, but it felt like that he was the one that they were going to, you know, um, you know, next in line after Kyrie. I feel like this Buck series, that's very much switched to Al Horford. Like Al Horford's always like does everything anyway, but it feels like he's now the predominant second option coming off those pick and pops with Kyrie and he's been playing great so far. So yeah, maybe it's just, I, I, I buy into that a lot actually that Jason probably just doesn't know his, his role as, as clearly as maybe other players have. And that's potentially what's contributing to his, um to his poor form. Mm. Yeah. I, that's a, it's a Brad Stevens led team for you, right? Like, it's very situational so you know minutes change starting lineups change roles change and like we just need guys who are going to roll with it and it's easier said than done especially when you're dealing with like 20 21 year olds so it's probably going to be a thing until we um our guys age or we we trade them for older people named anthony davis um Hmm. but i digress (laughs) a couple of questions for you guys um what was more unexpected in, in sort of a like a grand life scale just bear with me here <laughs> Dumbledore's death in Harry Potter or Marcus Morris and Terry Rogier being quote unquote good in the playoffs well I, I mean look I, I um, I'm not really I, I haven't read a page of Harry Potter so you haven't seen um, the movies you haven't read the books you haven't nah, man. never oh <laughs> mate I wish I could be in your position um, sorry it's go on it's not my vibe eh? it's just not my vibe bro um yeah. Um, so, with that said, my expectations around Harry Potter <laughs> plot twisted have to be pretty neutral. So I'm going to have to go um, <laughs> Mook and Terry. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm yeah. on I'm the gonna, road, no less. I'm going to. I'm going to go Rosier and uh, and Morris as well too. I was going to say, has it, have you guys seen uh, the new Avengers movie? We could upgrade our spoiler game. Make it a bit more uh, no. relevant. No, no, no one's seen it. All right. So I considered Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame, but those are some fresh spoilers to put out there in, in the world. So no, I, uh, I see where you're coming from, man. No problem. I actually, I actually Googled like most unexpected um, movie and TV deaths and, and Dumbledore was up there and I was like, yeah, actually that, I remember being, that being really unexpected. That's, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. And um what can I say? It's fallen flat. All but- I can say, no, I can say is, man. One, <laughs> okay, what was more shocking? All right, what was more shocking? How about this? Mook and Terry's performance in game one or, you know, Wallace getting shot in the wire? Or is that one going to fall flat as well? Because no, I, I remember watching that and I was like, oh, I, was more, I can't I, believe they actually did it. I was more taken aback by Omar 
rather than Wallace. But yeah, I I, <laughs> I was I was I was I was probably still more shocked by Rogier and Morris, to be perfectly honest. But right? Yeah. I yeah, mean that's I the point of the question. Let's let's be honest. Like no one expected that. I I certainly didn't. They like they've been this like backbone of consistency a little mm. bit. I I know Terry put up some boneheaded shots today in the third quarter and the fourth, but that was kind of you know, consistent with what the rest of the team was, was trying to do. But, like, for the most part, this goes back to the Pacers series as well, bar one game from Mook. Like, they have been good. Yeah. You, they're not, Tell me I'm wrong. They're not the scapegoats at the moment. I don't think there is a scapegoat to this team at the moment, and I don't think it, I don't, if there is, it's definitely not those two, at least in my opinion. It's it's Chris Middleton. <laughs> yeah. The scapegoat. Or the refs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were fisted by Chris Middleton today, unfortunately. Again. Um, on a scale of Utah to Philly... Where do Bucks fans rank as the most annoying fan base? Oh, I, I don't hate Bucks fans at all. I'm I'm I'm, I'm cool with them. I mean, yeah, you get you get the odd cocky okay. m- motherfucker here and there, but I mean, no, nah, like it's <laughs> it's I, I I put them. Are we are we saying that Philly is the worst and Utah is the most placid? I thought they were both perceived. Yes. As, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they're more on the Utah. That was a scale I devised in a five second moment. Right. right. <laughs> I would rather you say Portland Trailblazers. Shout out to Family Guy one two seven five three hey, seven yes. whatever it is there. Um, yeah. No. 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 There are. Uh, I'm fine with Bucks fans. But uh, but ask me again at the end of this series. <laughs> I change my opinion. <laughs> Joe. I mean, is this is it my arrogant or ignorant? I'm not sure. It's, Honestly, don't you can be take whatever you want to be. No- I don't take much notice of other teams' fans. Like, I, I like I really don't. You know, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How to you? Because I, I I see it all, and it's pretty like recency bias and everything. The Bucks fans for me are definitely down the Utah end of the scale. Like they're pretty good, and I feel like they've earned like this this life. They've you know been irrelevant for a while and the Giannis has been a slow build so like I do feel like they've kind of earned it but um and don't get me wrong if you pop into their subreddit you know very much encourage a look but don't touch philosophy (laughs) um but after game one they were like oh like how can we lose to Boston like they're terrible and I was like fuck you guys like we're we're all right uh they started to annoy me a little bit so it sort of um prompted that question yeah uh, final question. Say Marcus Smart returns by game five. What does his role look like compared to the regular season? Like we've, you know, uh, I, I wrote this question before the game today, admittedly, but um, you know, we talked about too many cooks in the kitchen, too many mouths to feed. And, and up until today, it's kind of looked like, okay, you take one, you know, um, significant player out of the rotation and things are looking kind of good all of a sudden. So do you think that affects things for Marcus Smart as he, as he sort of transitions back into the team? I, I don't think Marcus Smart is the kind of guy to ruin what we've got going on. I think if you, I think if you added a high-volume scorer or, um, or someone of that ilk, that might do it. it. It still might go to shit. I don't know because, you know, obviously we haven't seen this this um, kind of rotation all season long and it was you know for the most part working up until today but I mean you gotta I think you gotta factor in the same as like where's Brogdon coming back for, for the Bucks you know um, Brogdon coming back for them everyone's just like oh shit there's a 50-40-90 guy that's just like you know that's just game done whereas you know smart to us is arguably more influential and more important so bringing him back in 
while it might upset the rotation, like I would I would happily take two guys out of the rotation altogether for one Marcus Smart. I wouldn't say who exactly just at this point, but um, yeah, no, I think I think he comes back into it and just brings the same intensity, the same mongrel, the same um, you know don't back down sort of attitude. And if he can, and if his three point shot is falling, which it has, you know, for the at this season far better than it has been uh, throughout his career, then I mean, shit, that that can only help, right? Does anyone else? Do you guys feel like it might upset the the order a bit? Um. Mm. No, I mean, I'm I'm comfortable. Comfortable in this no Marcus Smart world, or comfortable with him coming back? Comfortable with him coming back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, after today, yeah, especially. <laughs> I, I just I sort of feel like I mean, it, what what's going to happen really is we're going to get less Terry. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm. I mean, it's it's that, that's where that's where it's going to come from, right? Like, I I feel like we're at the point where we're not going to get less Gordon. Right, we're definitely not going to get less Jalen at this point, right? You would think so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, um, yeah. I, I guess I just hope Brad doesn't keep trying to shoehorn Terry into minutes. You know. Yeah, I think the ideal state, right, is just Smart immediately taking over the role that that Rogier has has taken on so far in the in the postseason. Like to me, that is the best way to to reintegrate yeah. Marcus Smart. I know that probably won't happen because. For whatever reason, Brad Stevens seems dead set on on always giving Rogier minutes, no matter the situation, no matter the matchup. But like that is is the dream, right? It's just like having Smart completely overtake Rogier's role. He's just a better a better thing to plug into that part of the system. Yep. Totally. Yep. yep. All right, guys, we're going to take a very quick break and be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Reddit recap, and we're going to go straight to a post by Reddit user FezJohn, who wrote uh, a post titled, I think we see more Shemi, Shemi Ojale, in Game 3, which leads, I guess, me to ask you a greater question, Jackson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I should also mention Joe has gone to bed, (laughs) so it's just me and Jackson for the rest of the podcast, which is fine. It's a little bit later in New Zealand. Uh, The question I want to add to to FezJohn's post is, um, what are the adjustments to the adjustments that Brad Stevens might make heading into game three. You know, it's, there's, we've heard this term adjustments a lot. Um, you know, it's been in this concentrated period of time and, and what kind of, what kind of pivot and reaction do you think Brad Stevens is going to make in game three, Jackson? Um, it, it's really tough to say, isn't it? Because I feel there's going to be a, a different level of intensity um, playing at home versus playing on the road. And that's going to go, that's from us. And it's also going to relate to um, Milwaukee as well. So um, I honestly have no idea. I don't think Semi Ojale is going to get a look in to be fair, because <laughs> even though even he's the answer, <laughs> I, well, it, it's it, the whole narrative with Semi Ojale for the last like two months has been he's like rattling the the walls of the gymnasium in the Red Allback Center, preparing for Giannis and the assignment <laughs> that he's going to have because that's who he put on him throughout the regular. So like he, he got his first, his first and only start or second start 
his first of his two starts. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, when we played the Bucks back in, um, I think it was October or November or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and he did an mm-hmm. admirable job on him then too. So look, I I think it's possible we might see him. I think it's more possible we might see him in Game Four if if um, if Giannis is is devastating to us in Game Three. I think we might see it, Ben. As far as adjustments are concerned, I think for Game 3 specifically, I think we will see more of um, Kyrie. I don't think that's necessarily an adjustment. I think that's more just Kyrie's going to decide he needs to um, he needs to assert himself and he needs to really make his presence count um, in this series. Um, beyond that, like it's, it's, it's a bit of a mystery to me. I'm sure there's a game plan. I'm sure that's going to... I hope it's going to work rather than I'm sure it's going to work. Um, what about you, man? Do you, is there anything that you're, you're expecting to see in Game 3? Yeah, so Adam Himmelsbach had a tweet where he quotes Kyrie Irving saying uh, he has to, Kyrie said that he has to attack switches because he can go um, he can go by guys like Miritich and Middleton, which I think is true. Like he maybe didn't do that as aggressively because it wasn't maybe the game plan in in game two. Yep. I think we're going to see a, a more aggressive Kyrie Irving. Um, and other than that, you know, the, the talk coming out of game one was you know basically. Kyrie and Al with this sort of nice um, supporting role played by Jalen Brown and to a lesser degree Gordon Hayward I think that we're gonna have to see some of our it feels weird to call them role players but like in the scheme of things in the playoffs like we've got some guys who maybe have to step back and and play roles Mm. you know I just said it a second ago Jalen Brown has done this well but like Tatum and and Hayward and, and guys who if all this pressure is going on Kyrie and Al in this in this high pick and roll then like Guys are going to be open for shots, and, and those guys need to step up and 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 be ready to take those passes and and react accordingly and, and make plays. So it's going to have to be this sort of collective step up and and taking advantage of some of the space that they get if the pressure is going to continue to hone towards yep. Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Um, and you know the one adjustment um, other than that is just the Boston crowd. Like it's it's going to be eight PM on a Friday night yeah, in Boston totally. in the playoffs. Like that that's going to be huge. Uh, and I know some of you folks who are listening to the podcast. Uh, like shout out to Lead Speak, for example, are going to be there cheering on the Celtics. Very jealous, but um, it definitely plays a, a big factor. Uh, another post by user Alpi03, and it's a post of a tweet by John Corrales, and he writes: Chris Middleton hit seven threes tonight. Only one came after Milwaukee had to inbound the ball and go against a set Boston defense. Five followed Boston misses and a sixth came off a turnover, um, which is huge. It's sort of to say if Boston like put a little bit more of that tenacity and effort back into their defense, like we saw in game one, mm. if, if that's an adjustment that we could make. And, you know, maybe like we said, the crowd gets behind them and it helps them to, um, to, to hone in that energy a little bit more than, you know, Maybe if we play with a little bit more confidence and, and defend with a little bit more tenacity, we can minimize you know, the stark difference that Chris Middleton made game one versus game two. Yeah. Does, that, does that make any sense? Yeah, it is. He, he's he's so key to what the Bucks do, really. And I don't know if that's... I haven't watched enough Bucks basketball throughout the season to know if he is like the definitive um, number two option or if it's just Giannis and then whoever's mm-hmm. hot on the night, whether that's Brooke Lopez or Eric Bledsoe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think I remember I remember a Chris Middleton three from uh, last season that came from uh, that came from a uh, a timeout from an inbound. Do you remember that one? It was game one. There was point five of a second to go. <laughs> I remember that one very well. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah. Look. Yeah. It, it, it's the last thing I see before I like wake up and bolt upright. In cold, a cold sweat, sweat in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. still affects me. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I, I would I would love to see us play play Middleton with. Um, not necessarily um, 
prioritizing him over other players because I think I think as as dangerous as, as Middleton is, like let's not pretend that Miritich can't get hot or Lopez can't get hot or Eric Bledsoe, mm-hmm. who I've been you know I've been shitting on you know routinely all year, has had a very very good season himself and he can he's proven that he can he can shoot the ball quite well. So um, I would I would love it if Middleton was made a non-factor in the game and whether that's the the crowd or whether that's um, our defensive schemes or he just has a poor night shooting, I don't care. But if we can if we can quiet him down without necessarily deviating too much from the game plan, unless of course that is the game plan, um, that's obviously going to help a, a tremendous deal. Yeah, definitely. And, and we talked about our role players getting a boost at TD Garden, and you would hope that some of Milwaukee's role players, who are very much more actual role players than like some of the prospects and actual stars on the Celtic squad, yeah. like hopefully their impact might be diminished somewhat by playing a couple of games in, in TD Garden. And you know, given that we do have that home court advantage, um, I, I, I have to pause here and say that you know we've lost Joe. Like we've <laughs> we've like deviated to this. Like here's what we could totally do to win the series. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of hope, and like it's just amazing how quickly we sort of go back to like, we could totally do this. I don't know. Yeah. You've you've Um, got to have belief though, don't you? Like, I mean, if, if I, if I didn't, if, if I felt like we were the Detroit Pistons and they were the Milwaukee Bucks, then I would be sitting here talking about like, ah, it was a great, it was, it was a decent season. We're real for next year. Like you can have this defeatist mentality, but like we're the Boston Celtics. We've won more titles than anyone. We've actually got a far, far more playoff experience than the Bucks do as well. Like, you know, even if you factor in um, coach Bud and guys like George Hill, and Miritich, who's been there with um, with uh, with with New Orleans and and whatnot, um, we've still got far more experience than they do, and I think that definitely played a big factor in getting the win in Game One. I think it'll play a big factor for the Bucks being on the road in Game Two, uh, sorry, in Game Three rather. Um, but look, if, if Giannis is on and Middleton is on, there's there's very very little that we can do other than pray that Kyrie Irving is on as well too. And the bounce, and we get we get a bit of luck with the refs, and we do get a couple of shots bounce our way and whatnot. But the, if if all of the talent is firing on both sides, then I, I don't know I don't know who it comes down to. We just have to hope that um, that crowd and just playing at home is going to be enough to deter them just enough, and that's going to lift us just enough, and that should that and that should be enough. I mean, I definitely hope so. For some reason, I feel like if the Bucks win Game Three. That's kind of it. That's too much momentum. It would be a you know, big, they big blow if they won Game Three. It'd be huge. Yeah, yeah. Like blew us out in Game Two. They they come into Boston uh, in you know a really harsh environment for an, for an opposing squad, and then they they beat us again. I, I don't know that we could recover from that. And sort of conversely, if we win Game Three, like I don't feel that that means the same for the Celtics. I don't think that if the Celtics win it suddenly means they're going to win the series and, and therefore it kind of makes it a, a must win. Like we really have to protect home court here. Only if we go back to Milwaukee up 3-1 do I feel like we are really, really in the driver's seat and have a good chance, but yeah. anything less it's, than like I just am too terrified of Giannis. Yeah, it's so, it's the the margins are so fine, aren't they? Because I'm with you. Yeah, I think I think if we hold serve at home and we go 3-1, then it's done. Like I don't care how good Milwaukee play. Even if they beat, win the next two, I think that game goes to game seven. I think we beat them still. I think 3-1 is just going to do it for us. But if we come out of, if we come out of it at 2-2, then we're back to square one. And whether or not we win the second game, whether we win game four or whether we win game three, um, you're going to feel like the advantage is with the Bucs. So it's kind of like, 
win both games and have a two game advantage or don't and that deter- that determines how <laughs> whether or not we win the series so it's it's yeah it's a tough spot to be in but i definitely feel i definitely feel like we're going to take one of these games i don't see us going back to milwaukee 3-1 down i i don't see that happening um i think we're going to at least get one of these games out and yeah as as i said before 3-1 up butter if it's too old then yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> not 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 good yeah i mean if we go back to a game five i guess tied two two like whatever happens it's a spicy series and you know stepping back from the celtics fandom it's that's kind of what you want right like you just want like a competitive long series um but like just narrowing the scope to game three for a second before we wrap this one up jackson you got any any spicy takes any predictions um heading into this game it's it's not that spicy but i expect Kyrie to be dynamite I expect him to be dynamite, and whether that's whether that means you know twenty five, eleven, and eight, or whether that means like forty five, four and five, or something like that. You know what I mean? I just expect Kyrie to be the best player in one of the next two games. I think it's going to be game three, but I think if he's the best, if he is by far the best player on the court in one of the next two games, then we're going to definitely we're going to win at least one of those games. Yep. So a Celtics Reddit user, Aiden Rose, um, shout out to Aiden, Aiden Rose, he's another Sydney sider as well. Uh, he just messaged me during the podcast saying he reckons Jason's going to get 25 points and Kyrie's going to go for 40 in game three, which obviously would be That's great. I, I feel like it, in order for us to win, remember there was a Raptors game earlier in the season, about midway through the season, where he had like a career high 18 assists. I feel like we're going to need that kind of game from Kyrie Irving to, to really be successful in, in that like if they are going to really collapse on him in those pick and rolls he's going to need to be able to find the right pass find the right guy out of those double or even triple teams um so a high assist rate would mean he's finding that those passes and the guys are actually making those shots so that, that's kind of what i not necessarily predict for Kyrie Irving going into this game but that yeah. might be what needs to happen for us to win I th- so I, th- we'll I think he's become the kind of player where he is most effective when you know it's not just you know big scoring numbers it's also the assists like going for, going for 45 is 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 wonderful and I'll take it in a second but I would probably rather him go for like around about mid 20s with a high assists number as well too you know so I know that mathematically that's going to work out to be more but um <laughs> do you know what I mean right you know what I mean I want I, I want yeah, him to I assert do. himself and yeah. share the ball as well that's where I feel like he's his best that's where I feel like he's evolving to as a player and that's where he wants to be so if he can continue on that then I think we're sweet at least for one of them yeah, so look, game three, Friday night if you're in the States, Saturday morning if you are in our part of the world. I'm thinking about catching the train up to, to where Jackson lives do in it. Australia, slightly north of do me, and, uh, and watching the game with him, do maybe it. doing a live podcast after the game. I'll show- but if you if you guys I'll, I'll, out there are looking for something... Sorry, man, I was going to say, I'll show, I'll show you where Ben Simmons used to live. <laughs> I actually know where... You I throw eggs know, at his house. I actually know, yeah. He doesn't live there anymore, but we can, we can throw him anyway, sorry. <laughs> Uh, like if we lose, we can take our anger out on, on Ben Simmons. Um, if you folks are, are looking for something to do between now and, and the next game, because it is like two days, which is unbearable in, in NBA circles, um, Bill Simmons just released a sweet podcast with uh, Jackie McMullen, and it's like chockers with Celtics content. I don't want to spoil it all, but like one thing that Jackie Mac says is if this team, this current Celtics team, even goes to the conference finals, it'll be like a movie, like like a 30 for 30 or something like that, just because of all the shit and all the drama and everything that's gone on this season. Like whenever 
like it's 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 noticeable in this podcast and, and interviews I've heard with her on on TV and podcasts throughout the season so far. But whenever all this current Celtics drama is brought up with her, like all the young guys not getting shots and Jalen Brown, his early season slump, and and Hayward getting too many minutes and like being you know Brad Stevens guy and the Kyrie stuff, the the way she pauses and reacts to it, you really get this get yeah. the sense of just like the magnitude of it all and, and how much it actually did impact the locker room all season. Like obviously you, you expect a lot of it to come out of the media for clicks and stuff, but the, she's pretty genuine, I think. And the way that she reacts to it and talks about it and including in this podcast, um, like you just get the sense of how significant and how affecting it's been to this team. So that's just a little taste of what she talks about, but there's a lot of stuff of 80s Celtics teams with Larry Bird um, and the current Celtics that's really in-depth. And obviously Bill Simmons is like a big Celtics guy as well. So um, Supposedly. <laughs> like that is a really, really good piece of the Celtics pie to, uh, to chew on over the next two days. Highly recommend it. For sure. I'll give it a listen to myself. Yeah, definitely check it out. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this one. We've got a couple of long days, like I said before, game three, back of the garden. So I'll be continuing my doctorate studies into oblique injuries and replaying game two on NBA 2K. Um, Jackson, you got any plans for the next few days? How, what are you uh, What are you going to do to pass the time? I'm going to enjoy not being nervous about watching the Celtics play, to be honest. It's, it's, it's brilliant when it's happening and it kind of feels a bit flat when it's not. But if you do take a step back, you can appreciate, oh, sweet, I'm not, you know, chewing my fingernails off and swearing every five seconds because, you know, the ball's not going in the hoop. So I'm going to just relax and prepare myself mentally for, uh, for game three. Yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. Uh, all right, guys, um, that's going to do it for this one. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod, or if you do want to reach out, you can do so by commenting on the Reddit thread for this episode. Jackson, love your work. I'll see you in a couple of days. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.